Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Colton Classic Podcast, the podcast where we talk about two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult, and tell you what you should do about them. I'm your host, Nate Wyckoff, film critic and comedian for Horror News Network. And I'm super excited today. Not only do we have a lineup of really interesting films, but we also have a super special guest star. Uh, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, first, our longtime contributor, Jeff Tucker. How are you doing, Jeff? Very good. That's to the point. And our special guest <laughs> is Jacqueline Passaro, uh, excellent comedian and actress. Thank you so much for being here, Jacqueline. Thank you. And uh, this is going to be part one of our uh, Dawn of the Fun Dead duology here. So our mainstream film is going to be 1999's Idle Hands. And then our cult film is going to be Ibiza Undead. Now, Ibiza Undead, we've got a lot to talk about in the next episode, uh, but it is from um, 2017 and it is by... Uh, Andy, excuse me, 2016, depends on where you were when it was released. Andy Edwards is a director and writer of that who I interviewed for Horror News Network. So go check that out if you have uh, the interest. I'll have that linked in the liner notes. So let's see here. I want to give kind of a rundown of Idle Hands. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen this film, it already has its own cult status. It was a theatrical release film. It did do pretty well in theaters. I think a lot of people have seen it. It was like one of the stoner comedy icon moments in uh, the 2000-ish era uh, high school students. And, uh, and it has Seth Green. So you really... If you watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if you liked any of those things, if you watched Space Ghost Coast to Coast at the time, like you already knew about Idle Hands. Um, and the movie is kind of an oddball. And we'll get into some of the background of the production of this film and why it's so, why it turned out the way it did. Um, and I think it, some things I think are for the better and some things I think we would probably see done a lot different now. Uh, but the the plot is is that there's Anton who is like a couch potato stoner total loser uh, doesn't do anything um, and uh, he ends up realizing that his hand his right hand is taken over by an evil presence and is committing murders uh, throughout town <laughs> and he ends up killing his two best friends uh, who played by Seth Green uh, and 
my notes aren't coming up fast enough here. Eldon Henson. Eldon Henson. Thank you. Eldon Henson, uh, people might recognize as Foggy from the Daredevil Netflix series. Uh, he's a great actor. And both of them are phenomenal zombies in this movie. They're, in my opinion, they're uh, really great. They're the comedic elements. Uh, and then uh, we have some side characters. Um, Vivica A. Fox from, people might remember her from lots of films, but especially Kill Bill Volume 1. She plays the like druid woman who has a magical blade that can kill the severed hand demon. Uh, and then we have Jessica Alba in one of her very early roles as like the girl next door. Very strange character. We'll get into that too. And then we've got uh, like a bunch of sort of music extras. Um, Tom from Blink-182's got a little bit part in the drive through window scene. And then of course, Dexter and the rest of Offspring are the band that plays at prom, which I definitely want to talk about when we get there. So let's just dive right in. Uh, Jacqueline, had you seen this movie before and, and what was your take on it watching it this time? Okay. I had not seen the movie before. I was, so I used to actually have a gigantic crush on, I can't pronounce his name. Is it Devin? Devin. Want, okay. Uh, when, I, when I was a kid, because he was in Casper, he yeah. was in yeah. Now and Then, he was in... Um, Final uh, Destination. In, yeah, but before that, he was mm. in this football movie where... Anyways, uh, that Al Bundy was in too. He played like the dickhead dad, but um, yes, yes. So he was in a lot of '90s movies. So I'm shocked that I didn't see this, but I actually thought it was really funny. And it's so, oh, it's always horror movies. The thing about them is you always see A-listers before they were A-listers. Mm -hmm. That's totally true. And it's it. Uh, were you talking about Little Giants? Yes. Like, <laughs> that is such an interesting He's in movie. It. It was Little Giants is one of those movies that I feel like a lot of schools had like in the shelf where they'd put it on when it's like, it's Thanksgiving, you're not going to do anything today. We'll put on Little Giants and Hoosiers, like <laughs> like the TV edit. Um, yeah, Devin is great. And in this one, it's if you see him now, he looks like a man, like he's an adult man. And like, but when you see him in like Casper, which I don't even think it was his voice. I think they dubbed the voice actor for Casper over his voice in Casper, if I remember correctly. Um, but he plays the human Casper. And I thought it was crazy because you have Christina Ricci, who was like my childhood crush. And then you had that Casper become a real boy. And you're like, wait, that's Casper? Like, <laughs> what? Like, is, am I going to become like a big headed, like miniature ghost creature when I die as opposed to that? So I thought that was a fascinating little side, yeah. side moment. Um, yeah, and this one really does have, like, every single person you'll see in this movie had a career afterward, if not, or they already had a career. Like, um, in the opening, uh, Anton's, Devin's character's parents, uh, is Fred Willard and Connie Ray. I mean, they've, they've been, in, Fred Willard has been in everything. Connie Ray has been in a thousand movies. Um, of course, Fred Willard, I would hazard to say that probably most people our age know him uh, as Ed Harkin from Anchorman. And, uh, and, but he has done a lot of voice acting as well. But this movie, one thing I, I thought was interesting, because I had never seen it, even though it had always been on my list, I've owned a copy for an eternity, is it starts off as like 
a solidly horror genre entry. Like even though it's a little goofy, they don't hold yes. back. There's blood. There's like it's just yep. it's it's definitely a a horror film first, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I didn't expect yeah. that because it's it was advertised so heavily as kind of a comedy. Uh, and I mean it is a comedy, but you know. <laughs> Jeff, you'd seen this before. What's your take? What was your thought then? And what's your takeaway now that you've seen it this time? You know, for some reason, I think I didn't like it before. Um, I, and I don't know why that, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's just, you know, it's from a really long time ago. So who knows? But I actually really liked it this this time through. Um, the, uh, you know, the fun, I think really comes through. Like I love the, like the zombie, you know, like buddies. Um, I, for, I had forgot like that they came back to life. I was like, they killed them off in the first like few minutes. I thought they were characters in this movie. Um, and it turns out, you know, it's a very mystical world or whatever. Um, well, and they have great special effects, right? Like there's literally a, a half a bottle stuck in Seth Green's head for nearly the entire film. Yeah. Uh, and it looks great. Yeah. And I mean, they, they did pretty, I mean, the, the, you know, the head on the couch or the sofa, it's pretty noticeable, like CGI, but like eventually they, you know, put the head back on um, and the, you know, the makeup and the- Well, I feel like they, so you can tell it's CGI, but I do think that they actually did a pretty good job of using it minimally. Like it's CGI on a real dummy head, like as opposed to like his face is on the head, as opposed to like trying to CGI the entire head, which for the budget of this film and in 1999, it would have been even more obvious now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this one, I, I, I laughed out loud actually quite a few times. Me it's, too. I'm not, yeah, like it's just this kind of goofy, ridiculous, um, comedy. And Jeff, you've had criticisms of our films in the past, which is valid. Um, where you were like, I didn't like it because none of the characters are like good people. And this is one of those where most of our leads are not really great people. Um, I wouldn't say they're, you know, Satan incarnate. Uh, but they're not great people. Anton is like this super loser. Um, and then Seth Green, <laughs> Seth Green and the uh, Eldon's character, Nub, are like just the sort of good time friends. Like, hey, we're friends, but we're not really going to do that much for you, right? Like, if you want to hang around, smoke weed and watch TV, we'll do that. Um, but we're not going to get off the couch if you ask <laughs> us to. Yeah, there was like an extreme amount of apathy coming off all these characters. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was like to the, just to the, like the 11. I don't think we've seen this in any other film to this level. No, when we watch movies, usually the apathy is on this side of the screen. Like it's usually, <laughs> it's usually yeah. us. We're bringing and, it to the party, yeah. Right. Uh, this is, and this came out in 99, like the same year when Wing Commander came out, which we also reviewed. And the reason I bring it up is because Wing Commander and this one both, the opening credits tell you it's the late 90s, like right away. The music is like <laughs> the post grunge, you know, like sort of, it's just, it's not metal, it's not punk, it's just hard rock. And uh, and then you have like, it's all in red and there's like this sort of blood color. And at one point there's eyes. It looks almost like B-roll from like Ghost Adventures or a paranormal TV show. Um, and then you get into the actual like movie and they kind of have, they even have moments of goofy music to kind of tell you like, this is graphic, but it's not really a huge deal. Uh, you know, you don't have to feel bad for anybody in this movie. Um, yeah. and, and I think it, it works, uh, you know, like, especially it, it gave me, 
the, the movie that I kept thinking about when I was watching it was Mallrats by Kevin Smith, which, which is good because mm. Mallrats is one of my all-time favorite films. Um, in fact, I stalked Jason Lee. I'm sure I've told this story on uh, on this podcast before, but uh, my friend called me and he, he worked at a restaurant and he said, Jason Lee is sitting down here. And I was like, well, I will be sitting there shortly. So I went to the <laughs> strawberries up the road, bought a DVD of Mallrats and drove over there and had him sign it. And again, frequent listeners, I'm sorry, but I have to say it again. When I brought it up to him, I was like, I'm so sorry. My friend said you were here. And he cut me off, looked at my friend who was his waiter and said, you traitorous son of a bitch or something like that. It was, <laughs> it was pretty great. But uh, so Mallrats is that same kind of goofy, like, you know, jack off loser who kind of has to make good. One moment I loved, absolutely loved in this movie is when Anton, who's been the ultimate slacker, even compared to his friends, starts to like give the speech that he has to go save his new girlfriend from the evil force. Uh, Seth Green's character literally cuts him off and just says, don't give the Kevin Costner speech. Just let's just go uh, and cuts the whole thing off because and it, it works because for me. This is really not that type of movie. If Anton really had given this like big speech to make you, oh wow, like he's turned a point. He hasn't turned a point. This is not a point turning movie. These characters are really not changing their ways. Um, and, and it works. Well, I also like the plot point. So they basically the you know little bit of exposition that's in this in this movie, they they brought up that this demon or whatever like like goes and searches out the laziest most worthless human being and possesses which is smart right like if you don't want to like you know possess the hand of somebody that's really competent and gonna really fight you you know you go and find the biggest loser <laughs> and then you get to do all the killing that you want well um, totally and you and also so that plays into his like his his arc of going from that to something you know to like oh, almost normal level, like yeah. might go out and get a minimum wage job after this, yeah, um, yeah. like the rest of us. And I, I have to say too, just the play on the title, Idle Hands, you know, which is of course from a Bible <laughs> verse, Idle Hands, the devil's play thing or many translations. And it's just like this great, literally the most idle person, his hand becomes possessed by a demon. That, that's a great moment. Interesting fact, uh, Christopher Hart plays the hand. He also played um the uh, it in adam's family so he uh, i mean not it um thing so he uh, so he's literally the same hand uh which is kind of interesting no shit. yeah it's kind of interesting it's like that is your career you know you're not a hand model per se you're a hand actor uh that was an interesting one there's some really great touches too in this like when the hand is seeking out uh, uh, Jessica Alba's character to kill her and he's killed the school principal, which is in there for no good reason. And he sticks his fingers one by one in a pencil sharpener to basically get claws. And it's gruesome, but it's just, it was a moment where you actually just get a scene with a hand that doesn't talk and it actually told something. I was like, that's impressive. That's storytelling with no dialogue, no discernible character other than a hand. Um, one thing I don't think held up is there are, and I mean, they're funny, but we recognize that they're probably in poor taste. Like uh, when the hand has killed the two, two of the metal kids who are making out in a, their car and give us the one like requisite topless shot for an R-rated horror movie. And uh, 
he's like that's a shame and he's like you didn't even like him and he goes no that ass and you're like okay talking about a dead woman's body sexually is probably not the wisest choice <laughs> in script like that's not gonna age well you know like when that plays no. on when that plays on tnt they're probably gonna chop it out um and we get a couple of those little moments throughout and uh we also get this moment near the end so to set the scene uh we have the hand has somehow strapped jessica alba in her little angel costume because it's a costume dance party because all high schools in the united states have a huge amount of money to have a live band at a big party uh she's strapped to the top of a car in the auto shop lab and the hand is trying to crush her against the ceiling by raise by jacking it up and they're trying to stop the hand and we get this like required scene where he tries to get her out and he rips her costume off. So she's in like essentially bra and panties. And I remember years ago, this was after Sin City, I think, Jessica Alba did an interview and they'd asked her like, what's your dream role? And she said, anything where they don't have a scene where I have to be in a bra and panties. Uh, and, and you look back at her catalog and essentially there isn't one. Um, and I was like, wow, now I kind of see where she transitioned out of film. I mean, she certainly doesn't need it. She has the honest brand and all that stuff. Uh, but I was like, yeah, I can kind of see it. If you essentially are only going to get roles that have you in a bra and panties. Now, if, if I have the body of like, uh, you know, HGH third round steroid, Arnold Schwarzenegger from like the seventies, I would be happy to wander around in a loincloth <laughs> in every movie. Like, I'm not really saying that I don't get it. Like I would, I would be happy to do that. Um, but I think it's interesting that, yeah, every single one, even fantastic four, she is essentially nude and invisible quote unquote at one point. Like there's just, they don't have movies uh, where she doesn't do that. And I'm sure she's not alone in the industry that but that was one of those moments where i'm like yeah this is just like the requisite required 90s this is going to theaters tna teen movie moment <laughs> um we also get the uh, i'm sure there are plenty of fetish reddits uh totally into when she smashed up against the roof like that's just a given uh in this movie but we get this great ending and as always guys there may be spoilers plot wise but our spoilers they're not going to ruin the movie. If it sounds like your kind of movie, go out and watch it, come back and listen. Um, but I liked that the ending is not really the perfect happy ending because they're making out under a car and then their goober friends actually knock the jack and it crushes uh, Anton's character. And then we get him like in a full body cast in the hospital and Jessica Alba is feeding him, I guess, baby food. Here's the thing. Why does he need baby food if he can talk and move his jaw? Could she not feed him regular food? I I don't I food is a common theme on this podcast guys because it matters in movies. Okay, don't put cake in the <laughs> microwave and don't feed people who don't need baby food baby food. Um because you know it's going to go right through him and that's horrible. He's going to have to use like a bedpan anyway. Why do you get obsessed with this? Stuff? I do. Okay. Why? <laughs> Am I the only one? Back me up, Jacqueline. No, I, so, so that's interesting. Uh, but here's an interesting fact about this movie is that this was not the original ending. Um, the original ending was actually like a big special effect 
moment where there's a pool and the, there's like a wall of hands and then the, the the pool opens up and there's like a gate to hell some crazy shit you can actually see most of the effects are already done and you can see it on uh, one of the dvd releases of this film I, and that gets to the point what happened behind the scenes is that everyone apparently on set had a different idea of what the movie was about they got pitched different ideas when they took the the roles for example uh seth green has said that he um and uh eldon and Devin were told that it was a, basically a serious movie with some comedic elements which is why they tried to play like their friendships really tight um and it is like super tight like the bro love between uh between Devin's excuse me um Seth Green and Eldon's characters I mean they're throwing food into each other's mouths all the time um I'm like it's a pretty close relationship like Jeff if I'm throwing something at you it's not to get it in your mouth so you can have a tasty treat it's to throw something at you um <laughs> you heard and me. and so and, and so that was interesting and then I guess um the the director of this movie who is I think a very competent um director uh, what is his name here? Uh, his name is Rodman Flender. And he's done a lot, but I wouldn't say he's done a lot of really well-known big features. He's done a lot of TV. He directed a couple of episodes of uh, the American version of The Office. He did the Conan O'Brien Can't Stop documentary film. Uh, he did the 10 Things I Hate About You TV series. He did an episode. Uh, interesting enough, my wife had like a featured extra on that. So that's that's why I've watched that show. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so he's, he's done, he's done some movies and he's also done, uh, the horror film in 2019, Eat Brains Love, which is kind of another fun comedic zombie movie. Um, okay. yeah, so he's done stuff, but what's interesting is apparently when he pitched the project, uh, he was not the first director, I guess, but when he got the project, his intent was to make kind of a moody, uh, practical effect, bloody, throw up, throw up, send up to Italian horror films, which this is not. But I do think that starts to make sense when you look at the practical effects, like the bottle in Seth Green's head um, and the the gruesome touches, like every time Eldon's character, his head is set on a table, when it's lifted up, there's always like a bloody stamp from his neck stub. And these things, they matter and they add that little extra element. And then the producers said, this is not supposed to be a straight up horror film uh, or a buddy thing. This is a comedy. It's supposed to be a stoner comedy. So apparently when they screened it, their excuse was, is they said the original ending doesn't work as we're working on it because it needs to have um, more sex and pot needs to save the day. That apparently, according to Seth Green, that was literally the words, pot needs to save the day. And it does in the end, um, which is a little weird because really, uh i let's just put it this way i think we've all known or been people like anton and his two friends and marijuana is not gonna make them get up and go that's not really gonna what's gonna give me the impetus to to go out and seize the day seize the moment um although Anton does use it to hotbox the demon hand, which raised a whole nother level of questions for me because how is the hand even breathing? Is this so strong that it's a skin to skin contact high? I think Jacqueline's got a motorcycle gang coming to take her away. Um, yeah, so so that was interesting. But yeah, I guess the, the idea is that everyone was a little surprised when they saw the final 
the final cut of this movie. Um, but I, I would actually hazard to say that the different concepts behind it kind of work better because it's a little more gory and horror horrorish than a typical horror comedy film that we would get in theaters uh, at the time, especially because uh, this is before Shaun of the Dead when, you know, we, we had Simon Pegg being willing to be like, yes, it's going to be a tragic ending to a comedy. Uh, we have stuff like that. So this kind of made it feel better. Like, I don't think anybody who walked into the theater expected Fred Willard to get killed in the opening scenes. Um, and he does, and he never shows up again. That said, there are a lot of cut scenes in this movie, and I have a feeling some of them have not been released. So uh, anyone out there who has a work print that's got all those, let's, let's, uh, let's get that out to your friends at Colton Classic Podcast. We're going to move on to a recommendation phase here of the first installment of Dawn of the Fun Dead. So I'm going to say, Jacqueline, would you recommend Idle Hands 1999? And if so, to who and why? I definitely would. I think that if you're, if you just want to be entertained and you're not one of these people who has to, okay, that's how I see horror movies in general. Like when I watch a horror movie, I just want a good laugh because most of them incorporate a lot of humor and I'm not taking it seriously. I'm not, I'm not analyzing the characters or complaining that act one didn't end. Right. So if you're one of those people that's like act one and this and that, then not for you. And why is he eating baby food? You know, if you think of that, then yeah. (laughs) For sure. No, I agree. It it is heavily entertaining and it's paced well. It's an hour and a half almost on the dot. Um, I wasn't bored at any point in time. Um, And so I'll give it my recommendation too. I think if you like one, if you like stoner comedies, if like Pineapple Express has, if you have a poster of it on your wall, first off, you need to turn your life around. You really need to try harder. Um, but, but also, you'll enjoy this movie. Um, if you like Seth Green like I do, you'll enjoy this movie. In fact, uh, on Robot Chicken, which of course he produces and does a lot of work for, it's his show, He actually, they actually did a spoof on Idle Hands at one point, but instead of his, the hand being possessed, it's testicles. So give that a watch. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, would you recommend Idle Hands? And if so, why and to who? Um, I would. I mean, I think this movie's fun. It's like the narrative is kind of a mess, which actually makes sense now that you've described the production woes. Um, I mean, it has like terrible moments, like uh, our druid shows up in a bowling alley and sits down next to a, a, a guy that she then tells her whole story to, and then he just happens to have the right information for her. It's objectively bad exposition, but who cares? <laughs> the movie's fun. Um and you know we can get by that stuff you kind of like you get like you buy enough um like goodwill through other kind of fun enjoyable moments that like the really dumb bad parts like the baby food which i don't get but you know trigger some people Um, sure and and of course as we mentioned vivica fox is the druid uh she looks stunning as always she does a good job but she doesn't really have much of a role she's essentially just the priest running around with the daggers of Megiddo from the omen, you know, like she's just there to stab the bad guy. Uh, and uh, the, the, the metal head that she talks to that gives her the information she needs to know. Uh, he's named Randy in the script. It's Jack Noseworthy. He's been on a lot of stuff. One of those working actors who you may not know his name, but you've seen him a thousand times before. Probably his biggest role to date, give or take, would be in the TV miniseries The Secret Life of Marilyn Monroe, which came out in 2015, which a lot of people have seen. He does a good job. He's a metalhead. Um, you know, 
working on his truck. That just brings me to one thing I do want to mention about this movie. It's very 90s music, but I feel like it has a 90s music identity crisis. Like it's it it looks like it wants to be punk and then sometimes it wants to be metal and then sometimes there's a sublime track playing. <laughs> And then, and like I said, you have Tom from Blink-182 in a really tiny bit part uh, at a drive through window. And then you have The Offspring playing at the, the prom, which by the way, this is just never going to happen. You're never going to get a bunch of late 30s to 40 year olds in a, a rock band. Nobody's going to let them come into a high school no. auditorium. Not going to happen. No. Um, we can also talk about the fact that there's only one Offspring song in this, and it's a song specific to this movie. And then the other song they play is, it, it's credited to them by people online. It's a Ramon song, um, but it's credited to them playing it. And I don't think it's Dexter and them playing it. I think it's actually a different track. I think they're just mumbling along to it or, or, or lip syncing. And why would you have them in like you could afford to put them in the movie but you couldn't afford to use more than one song from them that was a weird choice for me um and white zombie rob zombie's got a track in there uh and and there's um i think two live crew has a track and there's just a weird mix of music go check out rancid of course is in there too check out time bomb records actually has a soundtrack you can still find it it's a weird 90s trip uh yeah so I think that's it for our discussion of Idle Hands, but it is not it for the discussion of Dawn of the Fun Dead. Uh, listen to part two. We've got it coming up next week with Ibiza Undead from 2016. This is a British zombie comedy film, and it goes by a couple of different names. Super interesting. Jeff disappeared. I don't know where he went. If you're watching the video, he's been abducted by aliens. And uh, <laughs> I want to I thank our good special guest, Jacqueline Passaro. Now, Jacqueline. Do you have anything that you want to tell our listeners to go check out aside from your excellent stand-up comedy? <laughs> yeah. Um, if you have the app stereo, um, it's a free app to download. I go live every Sunday at 2 PM with another comic Willis Turner. Uh, his name is Willis Turner. And then on Instagram, it's Willis Turner comedy, but we basically go through different decades of comedy and it doesn't have to be specifically stand up. We go through sitcoms as well. That is very cool. Absolutely worth listening. Check out Stereo. Check out Jacqueline Passaro on Instagram. You can see the notes of this episode for all of her great contact info. Make sure to follow her to catch up on what she's up to. Uh, Jeff might be back for part two. Who knows? Could be dead. Not sure. Might be looking for another co-host. Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> As always, write reviews wherever you get your podcasts. Email us questions, requests, complaints, hate mail, whatever you want to cultandclassicpodcast at gmail.com. And to play us out, as always, is the Chud with All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.